The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Yaro. 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 Hey, yaro. Hey, yaro. 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 Yeah, this is Good morning, everybody. That's right. It is Monday, December 4th. And today is, that's right, Rico, it's Santa's List Day. It's also Cabernet Franc Day. Mm. International Cheetah Day, because everyone loves some cheetah print. Leopard. Wildlife Conservation Day. National Sock Day, National Dice Day, oh yeah, shake them up and get your paper, and it's also <laughs> National Cookie Day, oh yeah, get that cookie, oh yeah, thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us, it's also high noon on the East Coast, and please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms, you can look down below on your screen to see where we live on the internet, we are live every Monday through Friday on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Rumble and Facebook. So welcome to anyone joining us from any one of those audiences. We do appreciate you being here with us. But kicking it off today, we have the dope dad himself. That's right. It is Rico. Rico, you want me to kick it off today or you want to go today? How do you want to do this? I'll I'll go today. Okay. All right. All right. Let's let's get it started with the dope dad himself, Mr. Rico Lameet. Thank you, Jason. Like I said, we're gonna start the day off with a bang indeed. <clears throat> Let me get started. Let me compose myself. Mm-hmm. My story this morning is coming out of Massachusetts, where all the tea has indeed been spilling. And you know what, y'all? Sometimes the universe provides us gifts. Whether said gifts are earned or not, oftentimes it's the best to just take them as they came maybe privately assess what happened and properly plan out your next move accordingly. Because when it came to losing her job as Massachusetts top cannabis regulator, Shannon O'Brien decided she would not be taking her ousting as a gift and that she and her lawyers wanted all the smoke and when it cleared, so would her good name because she believes she was fired in what they say was a sham process. Asking you shall receive Miss O'Brien. 
because newly released records show that the former Massachusetts top cannabis regulator, Shannon O'Brien, was found by an outside investigator in September to have made a series of racist and culturally insensitive remarks, including referring to Asian people as, quote unquote, yellow. While sowing turmoil within the very agency she was appointed to lead. It was these revelations that prompted state treasurer Deborah Goldberg to spend O'Brien days later. The allegations were not previously public. However, they were included in the court filing that O'Brien made in her lawsuit, defending herself from said accusations against treasurer Deborah Goldberg, who suspended her as chair of the state's Cannabis Control Commission. O'Brien, a former state treasurer and one-time Democratic nominee for governor, said that she wants a fair hearing process. After a long career in public service, I deserve a legitimate opportunity and not a sham process to defend my good name and reputation, which has been unfairly maligned. Goldberg issued in a statement in September saying she suspended O'Brien based on several serious allegations in a report compiled by an outside law law firm. But there were no details until uh, court filings Friday by O'Brien, who is seeking to delay an upcoming private meeting to challenge her suspension. She contends the closed door process has been unfair. Howard Cooper, one of O'Brien's attorneys, said Goldberg is afraid to hold a public uh, hearing with witnesses and cross-examination to show the lack of merit of this so-called process. He also said in the court filings, that they indicate any allegation of racial insensitivity is frivolous in the extreme, end quote. For months, Goldberg declined to provide full details as to why she suspended O'Brien, a former political ally whom she appointed in 2022 to serve a five-year term as the Cannabis Commission's uh, chair, only saying that other commissioners and staff made, quote, several serious allegations about O'Brien's behavior, prompting officials to hire outside investigators to probe the complaints. O'Brien did not include the actual report in her court filings, but she did attach a five-page letter to Goldberg sent sent her in October detailing the basis for her suspension, including a conclusion that she made a series of, quote, racially, ethnically, and culturally insensitive statements. Goldberg, the Cannabis Control Commission, and other entities, including Governor Mora, Uh, Mara Healy's office have so far declined to release the outside investigators' filings. In one instance, Goldberg wrote, wrote, O'Brien made reference to, quote, a person of Asian heritage during the fall 2022 meeting saying, I guess you're not allowed to say yellow anymore. (laughs) O'Brien did not deny (laughs) making the statement. (laughs) I should have cleaned it up. O'Brien reportedly told investigators, it's difficult sometimes to know how to say the right thing. (laughs) In a separate incident cited in July, O'Brien surprised her fellow commissioners when she announced that the commission's executive director, Sean Collins, was planning to leave the agency before describing the commission as being, quote, in crisis. Collins told O'Brien of his plans to leave in confidence and hadn't intended to make a statement publicly until a later date of his own choosing. O'Brien later apologized for, quote, any confusion I created because Collins, the only executive director uh, the commission has ever had, said last month he will, in fact, leave the agency after completing uh, parental leave. Goldberg said Collins, who used to work in her office, also accused O'Brien of criticizing him to other staff, arguing he was, quote, MIA and unavailable when on parental leave. (laughs) 
<laughs> the whole point of parental leave is to, is to separate yourself, I thought. Uh, such disparaging comments could be deemed part of a larger effort to retaliate against him for taking leave to which he is legally entitled, Goldberg wrote. Per the Boston Globe's reporting, O'Brien and Collins clashed often, and complaints he made against her sparked a second investigation into her, according to court filings. <laughs> it's, it's, it's wild. Uh, Goldberg said staff reported other concerns about O'Brien's behavior, which included subjecting her executive assistant to distressing yelling episodes. In addition, the report described her conduct as causing turmoil internally and creating a challenging environment to which, in which to foster cohesion within the agency. O'Brien criticized the investigators' findings, arguing that they were filled with error and improper conclusions. She also contends that none of the people she suggested the, uh, the investigators speak to were interviewed, and that Goldberg blocked a state treasury employee from participating who she says would have, uh, would have had exculpatory information that would support her. Well, I think it's obvious in this case, O'Brien did not seek counsel from Pop Brothers-in-Law, who would have definitely told her just to shut the F up. <laughs> but we all know hindsight is twenty twenty. O'Brien and her legal team will now have the chance to clear her good name, as she says, and defend the comments revealed by several others that ultimately led to her ouster, which seems, at least from the outside, what Goldberg was attempting to do. In wake of the letter's uh, full contents being revealed Friday, O'Brien is now asking the judge to postpone an administrative hearing scheduled for Tuesday, tomorrow, in which she was expected to challenge her suspension, arguing that the private meeting organized by the treasurer's office lacks the, quote, basic, uh, most basic of fair procedures. We'll be paying close attention to this one in this Boston case as it progresses. One might even say, while having our very own tea party, Sip on, Jason. Pinkies up. <laughs> Pinkies up. Don't this forget. I'm Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street for Hyatt Nine News. Very eager to hear the rest of the team's take on this. <laughs> this one. This is crazy, man. Choking <laughs> on. Yaro, is your tea yellow? <laughs> uh, no. Okay. You got one letter wrong there. <laughs> I mean, no, uh, my tea is not yellow, and and my my wife's family's from England. They're all into tea. I'm pretty much staying with the coffee for the most part. Drink. I didn't realize they made yellow coffee. Um, they don't. Not unless you're a bad brewer, I suppose. A bad brewer. I. What do you What do you guys uh, thoughts on Miss O'Brien here? And I mean, her man. I mean, look. You know, the, the, I mean this this is really rich, right? I mean. I totally can relate to have not gotten the memo that yellow isn't an acceptable adjective when describing people of Asian descent. Like, I think that memo was just sent like 50 well, years hold, ago. Well, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Every, every other, all, all the other races, we use color to distinguish people. All we got to do is look at how people yeah, white and black. themselves. Or want to be described by others. I, I you've never heard an Asian person say, just call no. me yellow. No, never. Never happens. Okay. Um, All right. I can accept that. The I other thing that's the other thing that's challenging for me is, you know, I haven't worked for the government. Um, I've only worked in private enterprise. And in private enterprise, for the most part, it, what do they call it? At will employment. Like you're there because you're there, and you can be gone in a minute. 
without so much as a reason, much less a good a good reason or a justifiable reason. I guess it's different when you work for the government because then, and I'm not an employment attorney, but I guess then, you know, if you don't like the way you were fired or you feel like something wasn't as proper about that, you can sort of kick up dust and hire a lawyer. And I guess anybody can hire a lawyer for anything, but, um, you know, in, in private enterprise, you're there because the boss wants you there. And when the boss doesn't want you there, you're not there anymore. And um, so it, it seems like a lot of whining. The other thing that's challenging for me is this seems like when you're in the government and you're in a position of leadership, you know you're under some type of magnifying glass. Your, your actions are going to be more heavily scrutinized. I think that has to be worth it before you say yes to the position. They got great health insurance, I hear. So if you have to learn to keep your mouth shut, uh, there may not be a thought crime, but certainly... Uh, <laughs> leaving the quiet part out loud and and presenting yourself as a clan adjacent is just not gonna work. Maybe 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 she didn't yeah. realize that she was on a hot mic, Yarrow. Hot right. mic. <laughs> hot mic. This ain't even a hot mic. I don't know if she was on a hot mic or a magic mic or a what the baby mic. She was not. She was, you know, the, it's the quiet part out loud. Some people get really comfortable. And in yeah. this era, with this type of uh, divided country, uh, people are saying what they think. And, 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 and it, you know, we do better I'm, in the workplace. I, I, I like I the part. She's claiming the, she's claiming that I didn't know I couldn't say that defense when uh, she might have, she might have been better off saying like, hey, I'm from Boston. That's how we talk. <laughs> I, 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 I really, I, I personally I really, 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 really enjoyed the fact that of when she said that I didn't get the memo that we couldn't say yellow anymore. I think that yeah. might be my favorite part of the story right there. This is this, this, this lady line. is as 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 former President Trump would say, this lady's a, a real beauty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. I heard oh, she's going to be the campaign manager for uh, for uh, Santos's second run. Is that what her next job is going to be? I mean, I can't believe that they they repealed Santos for they VP. Repealed, they repealed Santos. That is just just remarkable i mean every single he, politician he, there were a couple memos he didn't get i also every politician every politician has lied okay i don't think there's not one politician that has never lied and the fact that they expelled him for lying is just ridiculous they need to expel everybody in, yeah, in, in order to do Kennedy, things to the level you know, the that, that, that santos did you got to be president man are you saying you because be a, i i feel like this <laughs> might be a discriminatory case because it was a man that had only fans Hey, hey, no, no, man. I don't think it, I don't think uh, yeah. it was the fact that it was a man that had OnlyFans. I think it's the fact that he used campaign funds to uh, pay for his OnlyFans. Yeah, I think but there, that, there, was already, the there was already there was already there was already a precedent set 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 with that with the Duncan Hunter uh, Duncan Hunter thing, and and this and this went way over way over that. But nonetheless, that has nothing to do with everything that we're talking about today. We got to keep it rolling. We're gonna go to a commercial. We're gonna be right back. Sick of the December cold? Then fly out to Miami in December for Turk Basil. December 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th. Presented by Sherbinsky's at Skatebird in Miami. With tons of your favorite brands in attendance for this four-day event. As well as High at Night News as one of the media partners. With live performances throughout the week by Dead Prez, Mayday, Visions Band, and Washi Fire. So, do like the birds and fly south to Miami for Turk Basil this winter, December 7th through the 10th in Miami, Florida. 
The tea has gone bad indeed, Jason. My tea ain't <laughs> ever bad. Stop you smoking it's, the best weed in the world. It's percolating. Having more love and support and affection for the conservative movement here in the United States of America. Coming up to the stage next, y'all know the man, the myth, the legend himself, Jason Beck. Oh, yeah. Good morning, Rico. Hope everybody had a fantastic weekend. Happy Monday, everybody. It is Monday, the most important day of the week. And we do want to wish a get well to Mandy, who is sick today. Her and Luke both have COVID. So if you want to wish them some well wishes, feel right ahead to go ahead and go and do so. And apparently Matthew St. Germain took too much acid last night and is on a, still on an LSD kick this morning. And so if you're wondering why they're not here, that is why today. But nonetheless, I have some stories for you today. A few of them. A few of them. But we're going to start it off with this one because Ohio senators want to overhaul the legal marijuana law okayed by voters. And guess this, you guys. That's right. They want to axe home grow. <laughs> Ohio linebackers want to eliminate growing marijuana at home, increase the tax rate, and change who gets the money from the state's new legal marijuana program, according to a draft bill. Senators plan to add these changes to House Bill 86, an unrelated piece of legislation changing liquor policy. On, on Monday morning, a full Senate vote is expected as soon as Wednesday, and the overhaul comes after Ohio voters approved legal marijuana in a 57 to 43 percent vote last month senator bill demora democrat from columbus said the proposed changes go against the will of the voters and among the proposed changes it would eliminate growing marijuana at home issue two allows six plants per person and 12 per household an increase the tax on legal marijuana from 10 to 15 percent Change how tax revenue would be sent would be spent. About 45% would go to Ohio's General Revenue Fund for state operations and 30% to law enforcement training and 15% for a substance abuse prevention and treatment fund and 10% for a safe drivers program. Uh, it would also reduce the levels of THC. The substance responsible for the drug's effect under issue two, regulars must set a maximum amount of THC allowed in products, and that number must be at least 35% for plant material and 90% for extracts. Senators want to reduce that to 25% for plants and 50% for extracts. Marijuana could only be smoked or consumed in private residences and ban products shaped like bears, cartoons, or fruit. It's not clear if these proposals have enough support in both chambers to take effect before Issue 2 does go into effect on Thursday, and DeMora said he hopes the committee will be open to changes. And in quotes, the voters passed this overwhelmingly in both rural and urban counties, he, he said, under the new proposals, it's a shell of what was passed. Well, 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 Ohio voters going to have to come back to the polls and uh, maybe fire some elected officials. But nonetheless, we're going to see what happens. What do you guys think? These changes going to go into effect or will they be unsuccessful? And then all of a sudden we just have legal adult use kicking in in Ohio on Thursday. What do you guys have to say about this? This is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News. More rules for the trap just to break. Right. I mean, the, the 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 percentages are just stupid because then you're just going to have the test the the labs just saying, okay, oh, this is testing at this, and this is testing at this, and this is going to be their standard thing, and who's going to really care? 
<laughs> I mean, here we go, right? When yeah. you reduce the pot when you mac when you cap potency, it doesn't stop people from getting to the same place. If I have a tincture or something and it's one half the potency of another tincture, uh, people can just drink more tincture and they're gonna get to that same same place. So I think that's a little challenging. Also, if you cap flower potency at a certain percentage, you're penalizing growers who have an amazing round and have a higher potency. It's a little easier. And, and this comes from the liquor model where with liquor or alcohol, you can take some of the alcohol out of your 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 formulation without severely impacting it. But you can't do that with flour. So that seems pretty ill-formed at best, right? Doesn't make any sense. Um, I, I just, I don't see how this is supposed to work out. Yeah, no, I, I think, I, I think how this is going to work out is you're just going to have have companies paying labs for artificial test results like you have happening here in California and across the country, um, where you, where you have everyone paying for higher, and here in Ohio, people are going to be paying to be as close to that number as as possible, and that's just going to be what the COA says, and people are going to believe it, whether it's the truth or not. The other thing also is this notion of the home grow. I mean, listen, I don't think anybody wants to have a massive cannabis operation right on the other side of the fence when they are in a modest residential neighborhood with an 8,000 square foot lot. I get it. But the six plants per person, 12 plants per parcel, that seems like a reasonable guideline for home grow. Like, I, I'm not mad at that. And I am mad at anybody who tries to interfere with that. And I can only think that it's designed to um, prioritize companies that sell cannabis over end users who want to grow a little bit of their own. We See, don't have really? that restriction on homebrew beer. I, I, Why would we have that on cannabis? I totally agree with you, Aro. I think, I think, I think though, that, that as opposed to the retailers, I think this is more put in there for law enforcement. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure, but it, what, I do think that it flies in the face of some American principles which make this country amazing. Free choice, self-determination, individual rights. I could go on and on and on. I just, I don't, I think banning home grows is a really bad thing. And I think yep. that there, yep. it, it just, it, it doesn't make any sense. And to your point, if it is so that law enforcement can have an easier way of enforcing and just going, okay, there's cannabis. Just coming into your house. Property. Just coming into it, your house. It, you are denying you're denying denying citizens the right to their own God-given self-autonomy. Mm -hmm. I am aside from keeping a dog from chewing on an extension cord here. Stop that! Not good. I just think it's backwards policy. I thought we were past that. I thought we knew that that wasn't a policy A that was uh, functional or B that supported a regulated space or C that decriminalized plants or E made up for you know the failed policy that was prohibition and the way in which that was disproportionately eked out. I, I it just, none of it makes any sense. And Ohio's, you know, it's, it's an exciting state. It was, it, it's an exciting state. I was very optimistic about their next steps. This to hold me. On, hold on. Like what, what, what's steps. so exciting about Ohio? Come on. Let's go. Well, I'm biased, right? I like what feeds me. It's and the so real estate. It's the real estate. Canada, yeah, it's the real estate. We secured the properties that had 15% of the retail licenses on them. And then I subsequently transacted their first eight or nine transactions there. And so Ohio was, was good as a cannabis entrepreneur 
uh, in, right. in in being an, an emerging and, and, and evolving market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think this is a lesson that all states should look forward to is um, when you have a red government, yes, Jason, when you have a red government that are passing the laws for cannabis legalization, do not expect anything that the people want to be put into said law. That's not true. That's not true. You just have the wrong red Republicans doing it, and it's not all of them. It's just G- a give handful. me give me a red state that moved forward with cannabis legislation that actually the people were listened to. Florida. Well, on, unfortunately, Florida. I would counter to give me a blue state where the people were listened to. I mean, I don't. That part too. I don't know that the red or blue. No, are no, doing no, I would say job. no, no, no. I would, I would say I would say the blue states actually move forward with it, but they don't. It, when it comes stop to enforcement it. Stop it. Stop of said it. laws, stop it. They have no nothing problem. comes into fruition. They, the red states, the politics, people say they want just, something, and nothing all. that they want ever gets put into uh, the actual written out law. When it comes to politics, I like my states the way I like my flower. Purple. Green. Well, well, you, you, well, you know, you know who always wins in every state when they move forward with cannabis, cannabis legislation. The trap. The people. <laughs> the they trap. don't care one way or another what the law says. They're going to do what they do, and they will continue to give money. That's because the I think it's a simple litmus test. Play. Anybody who's against reasonable homegrown regulations is against progress, is against sanity, is against sound public policy, and is against an industry where people don't have to go buy cannabis in order to enjoy cannabis. I just, I, I'm I, all, I'm, ter- I'm like two thumbs down. I, I I agree with you. When you when you when you attack home grow to me, that's just out of a protectionist mindset, and that 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 doesn't doesn't bode well. If you look at other industries, the tomato industry, home grow tomatoes does not affect the overall tomato industry at all whatsoever, as far as sales. Right. And the, the the reality of it is, is most of the people that are going to do home grow wouldn't go and buy weed in a store in the first place. So there is no point to banning it. It is just ridiculous. What is uh, Jason? Because we've seen this time and time again. What is the major argument against home grow what what are these what are these lawmakers so afraid of when it comes to home grow well i mean i don't know necessarily if it's something that they're necessarily afraid of but a lot of times in a lot of states you have these msos that lobby against it because of the fact that they want to make sure that they are the only legal providers of cannabis and that people don't have the ability to provide it for themselves and so that comes from a protectionist mindset and then you also have the have the mindset of law enforcement that don't want home grows because they still want to be able to look over your backyard fence and if they see a weed plant they want to be able to go and execute a search warrant and be able to see what else is in your house get the government yeah. out of my house exactly Exactly. So that, that that's that, that, well, that, that take, to me is and the take the existence of a few cannabis plants in the backyard and get that out of probable cause to come banging down doors or or to do a more thorough search. And so, just like we've been talking about states where the odor of cannabis in a vehicle is no longer probable cause, and then we've got states where there are lawful legal state programs and the odor of cannabis is still probable cause for searching those vehicles. So if we've got you know, homogeneity across, you know, states in terms of a home grow program that has a modest amount of stems and is allowed to happen, then that's no longer probable cause. And so um, I can understand that it's not easy for law enforcement to figure out and transition from enforcing laws with a more blunt instrument approach than enforcing laws either uh, civilly or acknowledging that, you know, the the goalpost has changed and they don't need to enforce those laws anymore. I just think that it's quite simply 
if if we know that cannabis is medicine and we know that we haven't unlocked and cracked a code mm-hmm. on what that medicine is and the combination of cannabinoids to each other and everybody's endocannabinoid system, I just know that there are people out there in many states who have cancer who probably would benefit from especially oral intestation, especially if they're doing things like chemo. And, and the moment grandma can't grow a, a few plants in her backyard, uh, no matter what kind of progress we're making, I think we have to fight strenuously against those kind of uh, backwards policies. You know, and people say, look, it's terrible that there are people making money in regulated cannabis while there are still people in prison for cannabis. And that's absolutely one of those injustices that we can't continue to accept. And the other one is this notion that home grows uh, are even optional in programs. If we're really going to uh, get, if we're really going to decriminalize cannabis, then some sort of reasonable home grow, I think, has to be there every single time. I couldn't agree with you more. Gotta let people row their own boat. Exactly. If they choose to. Speaking speaking of rowing. Especially people who don't have access. If you don't have direct access to a delivery service or to a local dispensary, how are you going to get the medicine you need without going to illegal providers? Speaking of of this, um, you guys. I'm going to roll right into my next story. You guys are going to love this, okay? Are you ready for this? This is the exact opposite of what normally happens. Zen Barn Farms buys Cureleaf cannabis dispensaries in Vermont. Waterbury-based cannabis grower and retailer Zen Barn Farms has signed an agreement to acquire two dispensaries and a growing facility from Cureleaf, a Massachusetts-based cannabis company. The two dispensaries, Vermont Patients Alliance in Montpelier, that's the capital city, and Phytocare Vermont in Bennington, sell THC-based medical cannabis products and the and the change of hands comes amid concerns about the future of Vermont's declining medical cannabis industry. It also stands out as a unique instance of a large national cannabis corporation selling assets to a small, locally owned business, according to Noah Fishman, co-owner of Zen Barn Farms. The company began as a CBD and hemp farm before opening it before opening its THC-based adult-use dispensary last year. Bryn Hare, executive director of the Cannabis Control Board, said the group was excited to see the dispensaries pass over to Vermont ownership. In a quote, nobody was thrilled that the license for Vermont Patients Alliance went out to an out-of-state company, she said. Zembarn plans to close the adult-use side of the Montpelier dispensary, Fishman said, and Cureleaf has also came under scrutiny for uh, alleged ties to Russian billionaire Roman Abramovich, a subject of international sanctions. Authorities in Massachusetts and Connecticut opened investigations into the company after Vice News reported on the connection. And Hare said the control board had been in touch with those state's authorities and found those investigations went nowhere. According to those findings, any ties between Abramovich and Cureleaf ended before the company entered the Vermont market, and Cureleaf did not respond to a request for comment before the publication deadline. Hare was not familiar with Cureleaf's specific reasons for selling, but said, generally speaking, it is pretty hard to maintain a profit when you're a medical dispensary. 
Patients are uh, pulling out of Vermont's medical cannabis program in favor of simply purchasing products from adult-use dispensaries, and Hare said the administrative burden of registering and the narrow set of qualifying conditions seem to be reasons for patients to favor the adult-use market. But there are downsides to the dwindling number of patients. If the medical market is not uh, financially viable, certain patients could lose out on cannabis delivery or high THC products that are only available from medical dispensaries, Harris said. A legislative subcommittee had been working on a series of recommendations to help bolster the medical cannabis side of the cannabis market, and Hare said the financial report is expected next week. Zen Barn is not planning to let any of the current employees at the medical dispensaries go, but Fishman admitted that it, that the employees there had been working in an uncertain situation up to this point. He said that the medical market had been overshadowed by the adult use side, but Zen Barn was interested in the holistic wellness benefits of cannabis as part of its mission. Zen Barn also planned to make the growing facility located in Middlesex a world-class example of cannabis cultivation, he said. And the facility is a year-round greenhouse that has natural and artificial light, making it sustainable, he said. It will also use more living soil like a home garden rather than the chemical fertilizers he believes are too common in the industry. Organic certification is not currently available for cannabis products, but Zen Barn still, still tries to follow organic farming practices, Fishman said. And along with its cannabis business, Zen Barn operates a restaurant, studio, and events venue in Waterbury, and Marlena F Fishman, Noah's wife and co-owner of Zen Barn, said the couple's long-term goal is to open up Zen Barn's cannabis business as a workforce development program for growers, retailers, and other Vermont cannabis brands. She called it an opportunity for creative minds and people of diverse backgrounds to come together to work on a new vision uh, for Vermont cannabis. And Vermont has a higher than average number of small cannabis growers. Harris said that 70 to 80 percent of grower licenses are considered small cultivators with 1,000 square feet or less of cultivating space. And she said, uh, she said that that could put Vermont into a good position to become well known for its craft cannabis if the drug is federally legalized, but it could pose challenges as well since small growers don't have the same capacity to navigate the state's regulatory system as larger companies. And Noah Fishman said Zen Barn was a community-based company that centered its mission on more than creating wealth. Its focus is on bringing traditional and countercultural cannabis practices and the alternative wellness aspects of the cannabis movement into the modern era. Well, 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 and well. Zen Barn, Zen Barn in Vermont. What do you think about this, Yarrow? Cureleaf selling its assets to a small mom-and-pop company. So, you know, I've seen some retraction from MSOs in, in various states for various reasons. I've heard the, the motto, stay alive through 25. I don't know what the internal calculus is for Cureleaf around where they want to maintain a presence, expand a presence, or or, or sort of batten down the hatches. Uh, I'm curious. I, I would be curious to know, uh, you know, what wasn't performing and, and why did it make sense for them to, to sell it? Uh, you know, people are like, oh, it's a big win for the little guy because instead of an MSO buying a license, uh, a small uh, entity is buying a license from an MSO. You know, I, I don't know that that's the way we look at wins. I think that sort of falls into our anti-capitalism, David and Goliath 
uh, love story. Uh, but you know, for 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 dispensaries in the rearview mirror that have sold uh, to larger MSOs uh, with terms that put a lot of money in their pocket, I, I I don't know that those people would say that the maturation consolidation and roll up model uh, has been inherently evil for regulated cannabis. Uh, I, I I love <laughs> that they're talking about living soil. And I went to Michigan uh, about a month and a half ago, and I was talking to some farmers in the middle of a place that I've never been. And they were also talking about living soil and organic. And so I like the idea that regulated cannabis has become a, uh, a gateway drug to a conversation around sustainability, best agricultural practices. When the guy started talking about how no salt-based nutrients were going to be used, I just thought, how cool is it that these conversations are spreading wider and further and faster and getting more amplified because of regulated cannabis? I thought that was really cool. I also love the thing that they were talking about in terms of education, workforce development, understanding how to grow, cure, uh, product size, and then sell cannabis. Uh, does have some unique features and attributes. And it makes a lot of sense for everybody who's in the industry to be thinking about how we pass along that information, how we create educational opportunities and centers for people to really learn how to be successful in this industry and understand uh, the plant, the product, and the processes. So uh, I'm not mad at it at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... I... I agree. With you. I'm I'm not mad at it at all. I, I do find it interesting that they're going to do this whole this whole living salt, soil. And I did not know that there were that many small craft cultivators in Vermont. I found that very very interesting. I did, I was not aware of that that uh, that there is that large of a number of them with cultivating in under a thousand square feet. Um, that that just, I mean that's real small. Yeah, that's real small. It creates a lot of inefficiencies and a patchwork of small cultivators. And your cost per square foot is. For, for your cogs and your production and your build out is very high. And that's the stuff that doesn't necessarily always pencil. But the notion that more people can participate and that we can have small batches of yummy, yummy goodness uh, does reflect some of the beneficial uh, attributes of the 215 model here in California, where zoning didn't uh, eliminate the ability mm -hmm. for a lot of mom and pop farms to contribute fantastic flower to the supply chain and that part i like a lot and i think that th there's something to be said for small batch cannabis it, it, it it's not the cheapest way to make cannabis but one could argue it's the best way to make the highest quality cannabis yeah i, I i'd agree with you on that yaro i mean a lot of the small batch uh producers the, those are the generally the people that generally get a higher ticket per uh, per per product uh, on, on top of their their quality tends to be a little bit better and I just remember back in the day when we would when we would have grows whatever was the smaller room generally had had more fire that came out of it and so you know when you get these massive massive thousand light rooms and whatnot it's just just commercial commercial weed and a lot of it isn't isn't amazing it looked the, the the hardest thing is on the one hand cannabis is just a plant and people who haven't grown it who've grown plants understand that plants grow with similar inputs and, and, and control over certain variables. On the other hand, getting the highest expression out of cannabis is a very, very difficult exercise. And there's an inversely proportional relationship between quality and yield. Mm -hmm. How do you Michelin star a buffet? 
You can't. It's really, really challenging. Even when we started scaling controlled environment agriculture or indoor cultivation, we knew that sometimes you wanted to take a very big space and break it up into smaller subsections so that you could still sort of get that quality model and also so that you could contain or compartmentalize things that might go wrong like pests. And 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 so I like this 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 cottage cultivator small patchwork of of producers model um, because I think it gives people opportunity in the space and you tend like you said to get a better quality of flower. Um, I also am not a big fan of restricting to small canopy in so much as I'd like to see those mom and pop operators who are being successful and are creating great flower the opportunity to expand beyond a thousand square feet just because. As you see price compression in a, in a, in a maturing market, uh, the ability to scale and keep ahead of that uh, is important for those cottage cultivators to be able to make it through uh, the natural market co uh, corrections that we're seeing in less nascent markets. And so uh, I think about that in terms of Mendocino County and the restriction to a 10,000 square foot outdoor permit per parcel and the fact that in one county adjacent and east, the regs were so drastically more per permissive uh, that, that cottage cultivators weren't able to compete uh, as biomass mm -hmm. and larger volume became the only way to survive. Yes, and on that, we're going to go to a commercial and we're going to be right back. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Tune in now and check it out. Oh, yeah. Stop whatever you're doing and make sure you hit that like button. I know we'll appreciate it. You'll appreciate it. And YouTube appreciates it. Also, make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not excuse me, subscribed already. And all the articles that you see on today's show, you can read on our website at www.hyatt9news.com. Check it out there. Share it with your friends as well as share the show with your friends. All of that good stuff. And as of January 1st of 2024, we are going to be moving to our new channel, Hyatt 9 News, H-I-G-H-A-T-N-I-N-E News, all spelled out, all, all letters. Um, so make sure you go over there and subscribe to us. And Adam is going to throw that link into the chat. So then that way you can make sure to find it easily. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. Oh, yes. Coming up next, it is, it, that's right, it's Hyatt Nine's very own Florida man himself who's stuck in Sebastopol, California. That's right. Who He does cannabis. He does real estate, and he does cannabis and real estate all together, too. That's right. It is none other than Mr. Yarrow Kubrin. Oh, Lordy. It is great to be back after a half a week away at MJ Biz last week. Uh, good morning, Hi at Nine News viewers. It is Monday, December 4th. This is Yaro Kubrin. Nowhere near from Florida. Nowhere, Nowhere near. near. We don't fight. 
we are riding that fake news uh, into next year's episodes. My <laughs> my article today is thousands. Well, you know what they say: if it bleeds, it leads. Mm -hmm. So I had to have something that wasn't dry and policy related this morning. My article is Thousand Oaks woman convicted of killing man during cannabis induced psychosis. A Thousand Oaks woman has been convicted of fatally stabbing a man during what prosecutors called a cannabis-induced psychosis in 2018. Bryn Spetcher, 32, fatally stabbed Chad Omelia, a man who she had been dating for several weeks back on May 27, 2018, according to prosecutors. On that day, Spetcher went to Omelia's apartment in Thousand Oaks, where they took multiple, multiple Hits from a bong loaded with marijuana, a statement from the Ventura County District Attorney's Office said. Spectre had an adverse reaction to the marijuana and suffered from what experts call cannabis-induced psycho psychotic disorder, a statement noted. During that psychotic episode, Spectre stabbed Mr. Omelia multiple times, multiple times, killing him. She also stabbed herself repeatedly. Police officers sent to the apartment the next morning found Amelia lying in a pool of blood with Spectre screaming hysterically with a knife still in her hands. Before the officers could disarm her, Spectre is said to have plunged the weapon, a long serrated bread knife, into her own neck. Before they were able to finally disarm Spectre of the weapon, officers used a taser and several baton blows, the statement said. Amelia was pronounced dead at the scene by paramedics. As a result, she was convicted by a jury on Friday of involuntary manslaughter. Spectre is scheduled in court again on Monday for special allegation charges and enhancements for the incident. Spectre's out. special allegations include use of a deadly weapon, serious felony versus a joking felony, crime involving great violence instead of minor violence, violent conduct indicating a serious threat to society, and use of a weapon during commission of a crime. This was a hard-fought case where the victim's family had to wait a long time for justice, and I'm grateful for the jury's jury's verdict, said Senior Deputy District Attorney Audrey Naffinger, who prosecuted the case. This is Yarrow Kubrin, High at Nine News. What do you think, Jason? Am I just chasing headlines because it's salacious, or do we have real medical issues to unpack here? I didn't realize you drove an ambulance, Yarrow. I drive a wambulance yes, because I usually go for whomever's crying. This is this is a total ambulance chaser uh, uh, article right here, 100%. Um, just because the fact that she had had uh, took a couple bong rips, I seriously doubt that that put her into any type of psychosis. I'm not buying that for a second. Uh, I, I don't know anyone that has taken two bong rips and been in a psychosis ever unless they're dabbing substances other than cannabis. I have seen people that have done uh, like that K2 and that spice and stuff like that. When they, when they will take bong rips of that, they'll immediately pass out and like do some crazy stuff that they don't have any recollection of doing. And so I wonder if it's a, really actually something like that, that this person uh, consumed and, and law enforcement, it just isn't, 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 uh, adverse enough to figure out that it is actually another substance. Yeah. I mean, I always go back to my, on the one hand and on the other hand thing, right? I remember when Dan white killed, uh, killed a, a, a supervisor in San Francisco city hall 
mm-hmm. and then used what was called the Twinkie defense at that point. Yep. That he'd eaten so many Twinkies that he had the inability to know right from wrong, and the Twinkie defense was born. And 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 we were, uh, I think, a lot of people were upset that that defense uh, allowed that murderer to avoid greater responsibility for the killings uh, that he committed. Uh, so I'm not a scientist. I don't play one on TV. I'm not a molecular PhD guy, and I can go into peptides and nucleides and you know terpenes mm-hmm. and then get back to cannabinoids. But but here's what I do think. I think that it it, it it's um it's a defense that doesn't resonate with the accumulated anecdotal anecdotal knowledge that I think I understand. They said that she was sitting in the blood like the next day right and so mm-hmm. it, a couple bong rips wouldn't have lasted exactly uh that, exactly. that long i had flashbacks to that tv show dexter on hbo oh that was a great this, show that was actually on show. showtime okay that yeah it was it was even better on showtime there we go and so <laughs> and so i just this notion that i mean clearly this person uh needs some help but we're seeing this cannabis defense. We saw it with the gentleman who tried to turn off the airplane engines and then blamed it on oh, the yeah. weed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the guy that was on mushrooms. The pilot. Yeah. The pilot so on mushrooms. Who's like, yeah, I took a couple bong rips. I'm sitting in a puddle of blood. You finally came for me 24 hours now. I'm going to shank myself in the neck, and I'm going to blame it on the weed. Um, mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, obviously there's no winners in this article. I feel as bad. I, first of all, I feel terrible for the family of the victim. And I also, yes. uh, I, I don't, I, I'd like to see less of these defenses moving forward because I, I don't think it destigmatizes cannabis to have the cannabis murder defense or the cannabis, I turned off the airplane engine defense. I think those things can tre- continue to reinforce some antiquated notions around uh, the amount of harm cannabis can and cannot do uh, in, in any serving size Mm -hmm. uh and so yeah i feel like maybe this particular murderer uh uh, chose a defense that allowed cannabis to 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 prevent her from getting a a, something besides manslaughter uh and i just have never heard of anybody who got so high they wanted to 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 stab somebody to death and then sit around for 24 hours yeah and you know and and the prohibitionists like project sam are going to use this to be and i've I've already seen a tweet where uh where where uh he 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 was talking about this and 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 point pointing to to specifically to this story uh stating that that cannabis cannabis causes murders and whatnot and we we all know that that is just total total prohibitionist rhetoric and it just doesn't make any any sense when you talk to a normal, rational human being in regards to this. I mean, I, I think about how there is a tendency for those in the industry to talk about cannabis in terms of it being able to do no harm. And then we have these headlines where kids are getting access to edibles and there's mm-hmm. clearly issues. And and the industry needs to do take a you know a pole position in regulating itself so that it doesn't continue to get overregulated by outsiders. But this one even if there is some science to support this, uh, the fact that it's getting so widely, so much, you know, press, and I'm covering it yet again, yes. it just seems it seems a little sus to me. Okay, and 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 I think that if you kill somebody, um, you're responsible, and unless you're uh, permanently clinically insane, and even then they send you to a prison, it's just a loony bin prison. I feel really bad for the victim. 
I mean, and, and, and here's what really comes up for me personally. Like, they were dating a couple weeks. It's a crazy time to be single in America, okay? Go get yourself a good man, a good woman. Settle down. What's the matter, you? There's, Go there, find there, a good there, there, one. There's not a lot out down. there, bro. There's not a lot out there. Because being single these days, if you're not catching a disease, you're catching a, a bread knife to the neck. And so uh, now, I nowadays, think, when you when you when you catch a partner, you're liable to catch a case. You know what? Look, I think it's hard enough to find a good one. But if you can find a good one and you can weed through the the, the, the crazies, uh, settle down. It's mm -hmm. it's a time tested model. I don't care who you settle down with. I don't care what their pronouns are. I don't care if they have an innie or an Audi. But being single is dangerous. And even in California, in L.A., it can get you shanked. Mm -hmm. That part. I mean, but at the same time, I mean, this is in Thousand Oaks, so that's going to be under George Gascon prosecuting it. So, you know, she'll probably going to walk because they don't prosecute crime anyway. But nonetheless, we're going to go to a commercial. And we're going to be right back. I'm Jason Beck, and this is Smoky Vanilla. And if you want to feel as good as I look, then you need to get yourself a stretch and smoke with Smoky Vanilla. That's right, baby. I'm Smoky Vanilla with my background in kinesiology. I'm a sports massage therapist and stretch coach. I focus mostly on athletes who have chronic pain or injury due to their sport or the legends of the chronic in the game, baby. Oh, yeah, you know what it is. We just stretched and now we're gonna smoke because you know what it is. That's right. I love intuitively creating a session based on the individual I'm working with. We'll go through a few assessments, look at the past health history, injury, or anything that's still affecting you today, and create a customized session just for you. Let's go. Yaro, we got two more stories. Yaro, are you are you ready? Are you ready for this? One of them has a video. I'm not only ready. I was reading the comments, and I love the comments. I, I'm very grateful for the people who tune in and type it up and chop it up a little bit with us in real time. Yes. I'm so ready for the next two. Fire away. Yes. All right. So, a massive marijuana grow operation found inside a Tennessee church. An investigation is slowed by possible. Get ready for this, Yaro. Booby traps. That's right. A massive marijuana grow operation was found inside a Tennessee church after weeks-long investigation, according to the Stewart County Sheriff's Office. A search warrant was taken out, uh, out against the church on Highway 46 in Indian Mound by the Sheriff's Office and the 23rd Judicial Drug Task Force. And uh, we have a video uh, on this, and so let, let, let's play the video in the sense of time, Adam. The discovery was made inside a Stewart County church, okay? So you're looking at the church, but look what was inside. Wait, what? Yeah, the sheriff's office and a drug task force found 2,000 marijuana plants, dry and live. This was discovered after they took out a search warrant against the church on Highway 46 in Indian Mound. We're told an investigation was launched into the church weeks ago when neighbors complained about a smell coming from the building. And during interviews, people claimed hemp was growing in the church. One person's in custody. More arrests are expected to be made. Man, Yarrow, what do you say about this? It says, it says, uh, after conducting interviews, uh, they looked at the property's electric bill, and the bill came out to about $3,000 a month. And along with a higher water bill, the investigation took longer than expected due to the possibility of booby traps being laid out for law enforcement. 
Upon executing the search warrant, deputies found about 2,000 plants, both dried and alive, and Sheriff Frankie Gray said this is not a fly-by-night operation. In a quote, the sheriff's office shut down the largest marijuana grow in county history, Gary said, or Gray said. One person is in custody, but more arrests are expected to be made, he says. <laughs> they caught one person. I mean, I, I, I want to see them uh, claim uh, religious defense on this, Yarrow. Yeah, I mean, there are some cases, especially with peyote, where the religious defense has worked. Uh, I'm not opposed to that. I, I, I have a problem. I don't, you know, I, I know that these uh, law enforcement generated press releases uh, have never been exaggerated in the past ever on any case. There's in the some history, of my favorite uh, in the history of humankind. Um, and I, I am also vehemently opposed to, to booby trapping grows. Uh, separate from our feelings around law enforcement and the and, and some of the policies that don't make any sense, uh, these men and women deserve to go out there and do some good and some not so good and still be able to come home at night and know that they're going to have 10 fingers, 10 toes. Uh, so this notion of booby trapping grows, that's... You know, that's not how we did it in the hippie areas. I wonder I, I wonder what the booby traps actually were because the news didn't say it and they didn't go into any elaborations in, in the article. But I wonder if the booby traps, if it's if if because we know law enforcement likes to embellish a lot on these things. And I just wonder if it was a whole bunch of extension cords laid out on the floor for people to trip on. And that that was actually the booby traps. Well, I was just watching Sicario one this past weekend you mm -hmm. know throwback movie and in that movie you know the law enforcement does hit a a house of a a, a, a criminal an organized crime house and at that house there was a booby trap dog or outshed and had a big bomb so i just it's like look there's there should be some rules of engagement there's, there's no the reference there's no reference in this article anywhere of bomb squads coming out or anything else like that or any other special units coming out to deal with these booby traps Fair enough. I just, I just, you know, there's rules to the road and there's a code even for the unregulated and booby trapping it is never going to be justifiable. Uh, I, I, I just have to say, save the tatas. Yeah. I mean, I was going to go there too. That's sort of my <laughs> brand on the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I was going to go deeply anatomical and weave in the word areola, but I'm just, you already made the Tata uh, reference, so uh, we're good. Okay, all right, all right. See, seeing as how seeing as how we're good, I'm going to go into our final story of the day. We are approaching the the top of the hour, and are you guys ready for this? Cannabis products seized, and four arrested for operating an illegal dispensary business, says the DA. That's right. Search warrants were served. Agents. Agents, uh, or excuse me, arrests were made and over $1 million of mislabeled cannabis products were seized following an investigation into an illegal cannabis business in San Diego County. District Attorney Summer Steffen announced on Friday. Four people are facing charges and are accused of illegally selling and distributing products containing marijuana in San Diego County. Jose De La Huz, 55, and Valera Rada, 42, have been charged with child endangerment, maintaining a place for marijuana to be sold, tax evasion, and possession of marijuana for sale. Uh, they, were, they were arranged, 
they were arraigned on Friday in San Diego Superior Court and face up to eight years in prison. I don't understand how they get eight years in prison for this. But nonetheless, Diego Delahoe's 30 and Edgar Delahoe's 29 have been charged with maintaining a place for marijuana to be sold, tax, uh, tax evasion, and possession of marijuana for sale, and they both face up to four years and four months in prison. I don't understand how they're getting these years, but nonetheless. On Wednesday, law enforcement served search warrants at multiple locations and seized over $1.1 million of mislabeled product containing cannabis at various locations, including in a home with, with young children, D.A. Stefan announced. The investigation focused on Cannibly, a store in Middletown, which, uh, which the D.A. reports is not permitted to sell marijuana. According to the D.A., the store had been presenting itself as a THC store and distributor with products including thousands of edibles like gummies, peanut butter, beef jerky, and 300 pounds of loose marijuana. In quotes, illegal marijuana businesses that sell unregulated products are an underground economy that undercuts legal dispensaries who are following the law and undercuts the laws that protect children and teens from the potentially toxic effects of high THC cannabis, said D.A. Stefan. They also put consumers at risk because their products can pose a public health risk. Coordinating with our law enforcement partners, we will continue to hold individuals and these businesses accountable, they say. The investigation is also accusing Cannibaly of selling and distributing cannabis products within 1,000 feet of a school and residences, and law enforcement seized over $2,000 in cash from Cannibaly and found the store had a minimum of $4,000 in credit card sales in less than one day. The owners of Cannibaly also had their home searched, which resulted in the seizure of 320 pounds of loose cannabis, $5,658 in cash, and more than 10000 in concentrates, and more than $5,000 worth of edibles. The product was found in an attached garage converted into a workplace for the Cannibaly business that was also being used as a play area for the family's three young children, according to the district attorney. Several other businesses that had a connection to Cannibaly were also searched. Searches took place at smoke shops in Rancho, San Diego, and Chula Vista, and reportedly purchased cannabis products from Cannibaly. Elevated smoke in Pacific Beach was also searched where, cannab where, uh, where cannabis, a shotgun, marijuana edibles, and concentrates were seized. According to the DA, the smoke shop had been selling edibles purchased from Cannibaly and was operating within 1,000 feet of, uh, of Pacific Beach Middle School. In a quote, we're being told by health professionals at, at Rady Children's Hospital that they're seeing an 800% increase in marijuana-related overdoses in children in recent years which is unacceptable, said D.A. Steffens. Uh, edibles in particularly pose a danger to young people who are being marketed or to or find products like pot gummies and aren't aware of the overdose danger. It is unconscionable that parents would store such large amounts of marijuana in an area accessible to their children. The San Diego uh, Police Department led the investigation along with the San Diego County Sheriff's Office Department and Chula Vista Police Department, uh, District Attorney's Office, and the California Department of Taxation and Administration. I don't understand where they're getting all these years from, Yarrow, unless they're using these child enhancements for child all this. Child, so you, you, you're a smart guy. You should do a show sometime, and maybe the world will get to see how smart you are. Amazing. You're absolutely nail, nail on the head, bullseye. It's a child endangerment 
that that can be can be a massive uptick to their exposure. Um, and and it, it it's a challenge, right? Because on the one hand, if you have a liquor cabinet and a three year old, that three year old is probably not going to open the liquor cabinet and drink a bottle of Jameson. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think your dried flour is is far less of a risk uh, to 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 the miners. Um, but it's those pesky edibles. And we're seeing it time and time again. We're seeing article after article where that's that's the big form factor risk uh, for those who are not intending to get inebriated no matter what age they are. And so uh, they probably had a massive amount of edibles in this detached whatever office sort of play area. Uh, maybe they weren't locked up. And so they're going to get dinged with it. And, it, you know, there's there's four there's four things that I see that are easy ways for cannabis to 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 be uh prosecuted mm -hmm. uh unpermitted extraction labs butane you know hash labs are still blowing up the, the, the law enforcement doesn't take too lightly to that uh retail within these radiuses these radiuses the sensitive uses like schools uh whether we think those radiuses are arbitrary or not it's still the optics is 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 terrible uh, lack of laboratory tested products. So any retail that's sort of looking like a legitimate retail, but doesn't have those COAs and you can't say that what's being sold out of them is safe. Uh, and then it's this, it's the, and lastly, it's, it's this edibles, mm -hmm. children having access to edibles every single time, those are going to be a really bad look. And, and, and so um, I don't like seeing people prosecuted for cannabis. But uh, I do think that um, these people left it left it out there and, and are clearly not operating responsibly, both in their business and as parents, if and only if those things were not behind lock and key. Mm -hmm. If they're behind lock and key, again, we know these press releases get hyped, amplified, and frankly skewed in an effort to try these cases in the court of public opinion. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Yaro. I don't understand why they're saying why, why they're saying um uh, uh uh mislabeled products why wouldn't they just say illicit products that that was confusing to me that's the first time i've seen a story where they they, they claim mislabeled products and not just calling it illicit products well maybe they mislabeled them so that they didn't include track and trace and so that they doesn't that doesn't make sense that they, doesn't make any sense at all you know a non-regulated product and tried to gussy up the label to make it look like it was regulated that doesn't so they make sell any, it that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense they would still call it an unregulated product because every single product on the unregulated maybe there market was a typo. is like, like a real maybe there was a typo oh you mean like they maybe spelled they spelled, they spelled thc the they, they forgot the h it's just tc <laughs> is this what you're is this what you're telling me yeah it's a rare it's a rare cannabinoid oh. it's missing the last letter oh man Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for that, Yaro. We appreciate you uh being with us today. Again, we do want hope that uh Mandy is feeling better. She and Luke both got COVID at MJ BizCon. And so we hoping that they feel better. And we hope that Matthew lands his plane safely from his weekend acid trip excursion. I, I can't speak to the shamanistic journey that is Matthew St. Germain and his continued quest to bring enlightenment to the show. I can say that I saw Mandy and Luke in Vegas last week at MJ Biz. They looked fantabulous. <laughs> they gave me a beautiful profit shirt 
for my wife to rock, mm -hmm. you know, a booby trap, another, another type. Another booby and, trap, uh, yeah. And they looked, they looked amazing at David Tran's black tie event. They dress up real nice, cute couple. I hope they get well very quickly. Yes, yes. Wishing them all the best. And uh, thank you all for joining us and getting high at night with us every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big thank you to our audience and supporters for tuning in daily and listening to the insanity that is the developing cannabis industry. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Thank you for you sitting at home, tuning in daily, and educating yourself regularly. We know you could be anywhere else, and we appreciate you spending your time with us. And thank you all for getting high at 9 with us. It is a America's number one daily cannabis news show.